Technorama episode 719. Technically, the glass is always full. Hey, welcome to Technorama, the show that takes a lighthearted look at tech, science, sci-fi, and all things geek. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you are returning, welcome back. We appreciate you giving us your time. My name is Chuck Tomasi from sunny Phoenix, Arizona. And right there, right there is Craig Stepp. How are you, Craig? Oh, I'm sorry. I was distracted by my phone. I'm doing good. How are you doing? What? Distract? <laughs> that never happens. What world do no. you live in? I know. I'm I'm like one of those little kids now, or texting all the time. We'll get into this, a similar story in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I but before we get super started, I know on the night the the, the night we're actually recording this, yes, uh, Pee Wee Herman passed away earlier in the day. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of oh, not, I, not a funny I, thing. I wanted to give him a shout out because I really like Pee Wee, uh, Paul Paul Rubens actually, and um, some of the movies I've seen him in besides just being Pee Wee. I used to watch. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes. Um, that was know, a lot of claymation. That's all I got to say on that intro. Well, the first time, yeah, it was. The first time I actually saw him, I think it was actually on the HBO version of his, It was it called Pee Wee's Playhouse? Where he was, it was more of an adult version of his show. And it was, I was like, whoa, what's this? Who is this guy? And I liked his, his, uh, his comedy. It was, you know, off about like I like the kind of humor I like, and uh, it was an instant connection, and I've always loved him. And I, I hate that he passed away. That was an era of character comedy. You know, you look at yeah. Steve Martin with his white suit, or or Bobcat Goldthwait and his yelling. Yeah. Uh, there. Um, what's the other one? Um, uh, the other guy who yells, Stephen uh, Wright. Stephen Wright, slow delivery. Yes, yes. <laughs> You know, Pee Wee Herman. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there was there was a character to the comedy. They didn't just get up and and tell you funny jokes. There was like a whole like world in there to to explore. Yeah. Sure, yeah, and it was, and we got to explore it a little bit with Pee Wee, with Big Adventure and uh, Big Top Pee Wee and the um, uh, Holiday Sam uh, Kinison. Uh, that was the other guy I was trying to. Remember. Oh, Sam Kinison. Yeah, but I, I really did love it. I, I I love that kind of humor, uh, not dark humor. I'm not, I'm not talking about specifically Pee Wee himself, but he had the kind of off kind of he had his own little style of uh, humor, and I liked it. So here's my tribute to Pee Wee tonight. I'm okay. trying to take a dirt nap. Do you mind? <laughs> oh, good lord, it's too <laughs> soon, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark down here. <laughs> yeah. All righty. So, so, yes. See uh, you someday, Pee Wee. Someday. Someday. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we get into the feedback? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it. play our feedback music. It's a question of the week. We asked you last week. We said we'd promise to get the question of the week. We posted it on social media yesterday, and everybody answered it. <laughs> I quit. I'm out. I'm out. Oh, boy. He's out. Oh, by the way, don't let me forget. Yes. We do have an email reply. So. Woohoo! 
put that in the show notes right now as we're looking. I'll make up better words next time. That was all on the fly. I did not I think give we that do a any song. prior thought. <sighs> okay, our question of the week last week is, what sounds like complete BS but is actually true? And we got a comment from Lone Guys the Night show. who says, Leprosy is alive and currently living pretty well in Florida. <laughs> Must oh, be- well, there was a story about that. Um, leprosy so. in Texas, I think. I don't know about Florida. Maybe, Maybe it was so. Florida. Uh, Mike Robeson says uh, that the T-Rex is closer in time to humans than the Stegosaurus. That's fascinating. When, yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. That, you know, you, you think both were really long time ago, but one of them was 65 million years ago, but the other was like another hundred and some million before that. Interesting. Yeah. Never thought about it. Hmm. Uh, Stephen Weshy says the Beatles were not even together for eight years. Only seven years, yeah. seven months, and 24 days. I know. And, Isn't that crazy? And what how an much, impact they made uh-huh. you know, for that short amount of time. Such a, well, it depends when you count them actually starting as the Beatles. I mean, was it when John and Paul met? Because that was late 50s. No, it was when they were a band and they were playing. So it would be was like, it when they were the Quarrymen, or was it finally when Ringo got on board? What was the actual genesis? When I would, would you say, say the, the Beatles first time song? they called themselves the Beatles and they played? No matter what, who was the members? They said, didn't say who were the members were. It just said the Beatles. So who are they? Okay, whenever they played for the first time. I'm just being pedantic. <laughs> well, I'm I'm being specific. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you were in the military, you'd be general specific. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, what's next? Uh, Mike has another one. Yeah, go ahead. That somebody admitted that aliens actually exist and the government has bodies and craft in the public hearing and nobody seems to care. Hmm. Oh, that was just the other day. They had the hearing about the yep. UFO. UAPs. Um, my boss kept talking about it. In our team meeting, I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't even know it was happening, but there, see? Yeah. Conspiracy theory. And Craig Glasner replies to that. He says that on multiple occasions, humans walked on the moon, but that does sound like BS, but it's actually true. <laughs> and then, yes. And then Craig responded to his own thing. Oh, oh, uh, he's replying to Mike. He says, uh, about the, the aliens exist. He says, or oh. somebody claimed, I'm still very skeptical. Good. Always remain skeptical. Sure. You should always remain skeptical. Skeptical. Critical thinking. Don't leave home without it. (laughs) Carry it in your wallet. Okay. We have some others. Let me check. You've got some. I got some. Nobody loves you. Let's let's find out what we have here. Nobody cares about Craig. (laughs) You have to post it more than five minutes before the show. I did. I posted it. Gary Lindro says, water can't put out all fires. Yeah, don't don't use it on grease fires. No, do not. Steve London says, yes, white phosphorus, hell. And lithium batteries <laughs> is close to that as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. That's right. Steve yep. had his own post. He said, the fact that the biomass of all ants exceeds the combined biomass of all the mammals and birds put together. Where did you come wow. up with that? <laughs> really? Approximately, How'd you count it? Approximately 20% of the human population biomass. Okay, we're heavier. And there's lots of us. Yeah. Um, John Byers uh, commented on Chuck's thing. Uh, says the 
The concept of quantum superposition in quantum mechanics, this principle allows for a particle to be in multiple states at once. Parents of small children understand this as much as anyone else. The sense that they're simultaneously in multiple places at at one one time. (laughs) Yes, I agree with that. Uh, Well, they're in uh, multiple states at once. This is in Wisconsin and Louisiana and California at the same time. That too. Um, Number two, that black holes have such a strong gravitational pull that nothing, not even light, can escape from it. Now, it does sound like, um, that does sound like it could be BS. Like, oh, how can light get pulled in it? Yeah. So. Ah, but how do you explain Hawking radiation? All right. Well, the guy that invented it is gone. <laughs> invented it? <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> Let's see. A little bit of Tabasco sauce. A little bit. Yeah. Of, I invented Hawking radiation. That's um, right. My sister says cork comes from the bark of a specific tree. That is true. Cork says in Wait, the cork you put come in on, I didn't see her comment. Look up on the top. Maybe it says show more. Show it says most different. relevant. All comments. There you go. Oh, there it is. There <laughs> my, it is. My sister Suzette says the truth is out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that's sounds a good like way. BS to me. Good way to end it. <laughs> no, wait a minute. It says the truth is out there. Yeah, it's got a little accent on it. (laughs) So you put the emphasis on the right syllable of there. (laughs) That's right. Oh, and we did have an email comment. It said, subscription renewal. This is why everyone is watching small fires inside empty old CRT sets. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I was thinking of when he said subscription renewal, my first thought was, and he mentioned fires was, you can watch the Yule Logs, you know, when they post the videos. Like Netflix has it on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Inside a small CRT. <laughs> Speaking of renewals, we have an update to the Patreon stuff when we get there. Okay. Just want to make sure mm-hmm. I had that ready. Let's do the history thing. Oh, we have to right. say goodbye to Charlie. Say goodbye, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrong show. Oh, want to stay <laughs> yeah. how long we've we been doing that you don't know as well. i know i'm just messing around all right i'm having fun leave me alone what's wednesday august 2nd what yeah i forgot Mars, to, yeah, I forgot to right. update the thing at the beginning and the end of the show wait are these the uh this is the is happenings it? of uh august 2nd or the third well it is now oh, it's the happenings of august 2nd wednesday <laughs> You're, revi- you're revising history. <laughs> I, I'm in charge of these show notes. I can write history any way I want. Sure. Right. On this day in history for August 2nd, 2023, according to us, this is the yeah. 214th day of the year. In the Gregorian calendar, there are 151 days remaining in 2023. That sounds like BS, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it was on this date in 60. 60- Actually, this whole show is just going to take. We should have named it that. I was about to say the same thing, but I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> it was on this date in 1610 that during Henry Hudson's search for the Northwest Passage, he sailed into what is now known as Hudson Bay. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. <laughs> Good thing he didn't go into, like, Delaware Harbor or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like right. how a Lou Gehrig's got Lou Gehrig's disease. Very strange. Yes. 
August 2nd, 1790, the first United States census was conducted. All three people replied. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're not here. (laughs) August 2nd, 1870, Tower Subway, the world's first underground tube railway, opened in London, England, in the UK. And also today in 1873, the Clay Street Hill uh, Railroad began operating the first cable car in San Francisco's famous cable car system. Very cool. It was on this date. You ever ride the cable cars in San Francisco, Craig? Yes, I have. Okay. You got to do that once. Uh, Yeah, everybody should. It was on this date in 1932 that the positron, which is the antiparticle of the electron, was discovered by Carl D. Anderson. If without it, we wouldn't... We, huh? would, we wouldn't have Data's brain. It's positronic. I thought the positron was what they use in a microwave. No, that's a magnetron. <laughs> and Megatron oh. is one of the... Uh, never mind. Transformers. Uh, Albert Einstein and Leo Sizzlerd wrote a letter to Franklin D. Roosevelt urging him to begin the Manhattan Project to develop a nuclear weapon on the state in 1939. If you rearrange Leo's name, it's an anagram for lizards. Zillard. (laughs) It was 41 years ago today that the Helsinki Metro, the first rapid transit system of Finland, was open to the general public. On to the birthdays. Happy birthday goes out of this date to Swiss paleontologist and scholar Johan Jakob Schuxer. Born on the state in 1672. Oh, it gets better. I'm Uh, sure it does. That's what this show's all about. (laughs) It's got to get better at some point. Born August 2nd, 1754, French-American architect, engineer. He designed the Washington, D.C. He would design Washington, Washington D.C. He designed the city, the layout. The whole thing. Uh, Pierre Charles uh, Charles um, Elephant. L'Enfant. Yeah, L'Enfant. Elisha Gray, the American businessman who co-founded Western Electric, was born on that date in 1835. He's also... Known for the man who filed his patent for the telephone just a little late. Alexander Graham Bell beat him to the punch. (laughs) Dang. Just a bit outside. Indian chemist and academic Prafula Chandra Ray was born 162 years ago today. I've listened to his podcast. It's great. (laughs) Sure you did. I'm 162 years old, Fry. (laughs) Born August 2nd, 1892, Canadian-born American... Production manager and producer, co-founder of Warner Brothers, Jack L. Metro Golden Mayor. No, Jack L. Warner. <laughs> Just M- MGM is his last name. Uh, also born in that same day in 1902, American mathematician uh, Mina Reese. Born August 2nd, 1924, American actor, director, producer, and screenwriter Carol O'Connor. Oh, jeez, yes. meathead. <laughs> you sound just like him. All right, so uh, what's uh, Ceylon? S- uh, not Cylon, that's a different thing. <laughs> I didn't say Cylon. Ceylon, uh, American engineer and academic, K. Arulia. Oh my gosh. Uh, say it slowly. Arulandan. <laughs> Born on this date in 1925. Arulandan. That's it. Yeah, Arthur Ronan. 1925. British Irish actor and producer Peter O'Toole was born 91 years ago today. 
and born August 2nd, 1934, Russian general and cosmonaut, Valery Bykovsky. Valery Bykovsky. You got the second yeah, name Valerie pretty good. Valery Bykovsky. Valery. That's a song by Steve Winwood. Also born on the same date in 1949, Hungarian general and cosmonaut, Bertalan Farkas. Oh, we made a Farkas out of this show. <laughs> yeah. Also turning 70 today is American actor Butch Patrick. Eddie Munster? 70? Is that him? Wow. Wow, that's how old Pee Wee Herman was. 70. Yes. I didn't know they were the same age. They are. Listener birthdays this week include Clark and Diana, awesome people, and the kids of Gary from Jacksonville. <laughs> yep. <laughs> On August 4th. That's also my parents' anniversary. August 6th has two birthdays, Fritz the German and my daughter Julie. Wow, uh, lots of stuff happening around here. And August 8th, happy birthday to Philippa Ballantyne. I knew I sensed the end of the music coming up soon. We did that one just (laughs) on time. Hey, I was just thinking about T and Piff. I was just thinking about my daughter. How about that? What a weird coincidence. (laughs) That's the way it was on this day in history for August 2nd, 2023. Wait a minute, we gotta tell you one more thing. If you want to be on the birthday calendar, you go over to chuckchat.com slash birthday. Give us your date, and we will give you a shout-out at the appropriate time of year. Let us know if it's your birthday this week and you weren't on this week's calendar. We wish you happy birthday anyway. Thank you for sticking around one more year. We hope you do it again. We hope we all yeah. do it again sometime. Yep. Except Pee-wee. You know, he, he couldn't wait for this week's show. We should have recorded yesterday, Craig. Ah. Uh. I know, right? It, we're killing them in the aisles. Oh, too soon? Wow. Good <laughs> Lord, you're getting dark. <laughs> hey, comedian passed away. Make some jokes. I expect everyone to laugh and have fun at my funeral. Oh, we will. We'll point and laugh. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> All right. I, I We've been watching like, uh, some Futurama lately because the new series started. Yes. And I wanted to I go back. Oh it's man, like, I didn't get how to much, how much of the last season do you remember? So I watched the last episode of the last se- season 10 where Fry and Leela, you know, stop time and go yeah. on. I barely remember that episode. It was so long ago. But one thing I did realize is I don't have a clip of Farnsworth saying G N E. There was another one. He said, uh, Maybe it was this episode. I got to watch. I didn't get to watch the whole thing because I was busy today. I was going to watch it at lunch, but that didn't happen. I didn't um, watch today's said, either. He said something, and I was like, oh, we got to get a clip of that. Yes, there's a couple of clips that are missing. It's like, oh, man, yeah. I got to go back and do this again. It's easier now. Man, I used to have sure. to hook up the H2 into the stereo system and now listen just, through. Now you just play it on your computer and go, record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the big glowing uh pulsating green the shiny red button the jolly candy like button you can put the birthday calendar banner away by the way (laughs) i was still promoting it okay well top secret news everyone well it's not really top secret because uh you know the it's coming back we we kind of scheduled this so in two months at the end of september in fact september 24th to be precise Mm mm-hmm the Osiris Rex capsule will come back. It's not a dinosaur with short little arms. This is the satellite that went out to this, the asteroid Bennu and picked up the uh, 
uh, made a got a soil sample. Was it Bennu? Was that the full name, or was it something? Yeah, else? they hit the no. Uh, I yeah. forget the entire name, but that's the one they. Yeah, the asteroid Bennu, and it was cool. like it was really like a conglomeration of loose rock. Yeah. So they were able to get. Well, some, they actually uh, picked up too much. They said, "Oh, we just need a little bit," and they went scoop. Oh, that's more than we get. So we get bonus sample material, and it's on its way back while the mission continues on to uh, another asteroid, Apophis. And if you watch Stargate, that's not a good thing. You know, <laughs> I don't have. I have no idea what you're t- speaking of. Okay, Apophis was the bad guy. For like the okay. first five, six seasons. Anyway, right. uh, the the uh, capsule really has no guidance. So they're just going, Phew. it's going to touch down in the deserts of Utah. And they've been making some practice runs. Like, do we know how to pick it up with a helicopter? Do we know how to approach it? This, there's a picture of this guy. I, I got to show you this on the, the screen. For those that are watching at home, let's do mm-hmm. present, share screen. And we want to do entire screen for this one. This guy's looking at it like, I'm not touching that. Yeah. <laughs> it smells funny. It's been out here in the desert rotting. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what, what it, I don't know what they find, but uh, I want to see the contents, you know, spilled out at NASA. Well, they're going to take them to, where did they say they're going to take them to? It was a JPL. Houston? Yeah. Houston. Uh, they're going to take them to Houston and they're going to open them up in a, what they said, this is where science canister itself will be opened at the Johnson Space Center. It will be opened at a specialized clean room and inside a glove box. I don't know why they need to open it in a car, but. It's a 1971 Volkswagen glove box. Right. <laughs> I don't know how, how it fits in there, but you yeah, know, science. I'm not real sure either. Hmm. Science. No, uh, uh, do yeah, I, I think they're, you know what they're talking about. Like something you would, you put your gloves in and it's inside a box. Mm-hmm. Oh, with the, like the inflatable hands. Yeah. Like you're going to sandblast something, you know, you put okay. your hands in. Yeah. They don't want you to contaminate it or anything. Oh, this sounds like a cool mission. I think it's great. Uh, I, to be honest with you, when I came across the story, I thought, wow, they're that close to actually bringing this home. I thought it might be another year or two away. I, I was surprised it didn't cross my mind like that. I mean, uh, I thought it would be further out. I'm curious to know what they find because the material in this is from the origins of the solar system, you know, going back some right. 5 billion years old. They said, yep, mm-hmm. this is about as old as it gets. So yeah, you know, what do we have in common with that? What are the what are the materials you find in there that made this up? This is going to be fascinating. Antimanium? What? <laughs> you mean adamantium? <laughs> What I say, <laughs> antimad, antimadium. <laughs> you, you you twisted it around somehow. I don't even know uh, if I can untangle that. Knot. I was excited to do this show, but now you're just ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it, Pee Wee. <laughs> All right, uh, we have another one from CNN Space Center. A rare yes. Trojan world may share the same orbit as another planet. And at first, this mm. image looks an awful lot like. Saturn, but it's not. It's a song about Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. Oh, you can yeah. see there's Ring of Fire. There's this is a planet forming region. You can a star forming region. You can see the star in the middle, and then you can see some dots that represent planets. 
and they've been watching this and said, you see the two little planets on the bottom? Yep. Well, if you go through, that's where it is in the sky. They said, these two are in the same orbit. That would be kind of weird. You know, you look out in the sky and there's, you know, your, your, your companion planet. planet. I don't know if there's, at one time I heard there were a whole lot more planets in our solar system. And then through collisions and Jupiter taking a swing to the inner solar system, wiped a whole bunch or sucked a whole bunch of them up and wiped them out. Uh, You know, that's one roaming theory. I forgot what they called that. The, the, the great transition or something. Uh, Hmm. But I, I don't, think both of these planets will survive in the same orbit. That just does wacky things to everybody else. Yeah, because you start getting that gravitational, like, tidal wave kind of thing going some, on. I imagine that. wobbling going on. Well, another planet could have influence. This is SETI Alpha 5! Uh, and 6, <laughs> and 7, <laughs> and 8. We got hungry. What happened, Con? <laughs> well, the two planets share the same orbit. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh, what happened? I thought you were starting to get into that talk with your parents. When two planets share an orbit in a very special (laughs) way. When two planets really love each other. (laughs) And they get together in a special orbit in a special way. Yeah. They Mm. they make a little moon. (laughs) Gonna have the talk. The space talk. There's there's, uh, so many jokes we could go to. I'm not even going to mention asteroids. No, that's don't. (laughs) Instead, let's... And I was acting silly earlier. Instead, let's go to the chat room. We've got a couple people hanging out with us. We've got Lisa and Ralph are out there if you want to catch us. Uh, Normally, we do this on Sunday nights, but okay, this was an exception. It is a Monday night at 8.30 Eastern time. We would love to see you. You just follow Technorama Podcast on YouTube or Facebook and you'll get the notifications. Or, or X. Or X. Uh, that Twitter. just feels like it's saying the wrong thing. I know. So. By the way, did you see the, I don't know if you saw the story today. You know, they changed the sign on the building. Yes. It's a big X. It's a big X. And it, I watched the video and I'm like, wow, if I was in the apartment complex across from that, I'd have been furious because that thing was just blinking and uh-huh. staying on bright. Well, they also... They also may have been in trouble with the city for not getting the right permits because they closed down two of the four lanes on that street to hang the sign. (laughs) (laughs) People can't do anything right these days. No. Well, it's a good thing I sleep with a sleep mask on. I wouldn't see those flashing lights anyway. I've had to do that a few times. Yeah. Shall we continue on with the next segment of the show? Why? Let's do All right, this is where we remember some fun stuff. And I thought this one would tickle your fancy, Craig, because you used to run as an ISP, right? I did. Did you have some dial-up lines? Yes, I had, what, 40 of them at one point, 50? (laughs) Well, back in the 90s, 1998 to be precise. Are you going to share your screen? We could. We could. We could just go like that now. Yeah. <laughs> the grand old days. Uh, this gentleman said, I am a data whore. He collects everything <laughs> and saves it. And he was strolling through his old emails from 95, 96, 97 and wow. found this one that's, I don't know, because you can. Maybe he has unlimited storage somewhere. 
He's been no, staring. I said, wow. I oh, didn't say I how. Thought said, I thought you said why. <laughs> I thought you said why. <laughs> well, there is a why there, but yeah, okay. So, yeah, uh, but still. You know, 25, 30 years ago, dial-up was it. You didn't have much choice unless you were a university or something. Or major company. I remember when we first oh, got our that, ISDN why would he keep line. his email, but yes. Yeah. And uh, he was dialed in, and he got an email from the president of the ISP that said, you have been inactive for 20 hours. Well, you wouldn't... And he said, but I've got unlimited service for three accounts. And yeah, three. He, normally this yep. might be a problem for households because you know if, you, if you're on the modem... You can't accept incoming calls. And heaven forbid, you know, somebody should want a ride or groceries or something. Well, he said, that wasn't an issue because my parents installed a second line, which yeah, is I've always nice. Too, yeah. I've, I've had that in numerous households that we lived in, except this one. I don't have any lines, and why would I want one? I know. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> when we moved out, I was like, nope, don't want a landline. Good luck. Uh, well, where was I going with this? Oh, so... He got this mail that said, you've been online for 20 hours. And it was just kind of a sign of the times. And he th thought that was kind of fun. It said, uh, thank you for allowing Networks, which is the name of the company, to provide internet service. I'm writing because when checking the system this morning, I noticed your account logged in for over 20 hours. Our service is unlimited, but we ask that you actually be using the connection while logged in. This has not been the case on occasion with your account. We must ask that you take measures to ensure that you disconnect after any given session. Now, this is where it gets kind of wacky. It says, mm -hmm. our resources must be shared between many customers. And the only way to accomplish this is for people to close the connection when they are not actively using it. Please sure. help with this by checking your dialer settings and setting it to disconnect after 30 minutes of inactivity. Please also <laughs> uncheck the option in your email program that automatically checks mail every 10 <laughs> minutes. Or that set might, it to some number higher than thirty minutes. Yeah, or other we AKA a uh, keep alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this, you know, I kind of feel for the president a little bit. I understand it's unlimited, but you're actually physically calling from one modem yep, to another and tying up it's their not, phone line. It's not like the internet where uh, I'm just talking to a, a port somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, so yes, you are tying up resources. I, I feel for the guy. I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, because if everybody did this, it'd be a dedicated connection, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it would be. And they would have to add more hardware, more lines, et cetera. So it's a cost yeah. to them, and they're not making any more capital off of it unless they add customers. So right. uh, he, said, uh, he said he had a second line installed exclusively for his BBS in 1993. Dude, you mm -hmm. kind of caught the tail end of BBSs. I got to tell you, that's about when I shut mine down. Three and 93? Yeah, because I could see the internet was coming. And there was no life for BBSs after the internet. Yeah, well, I tried to tell my business partner. Uh, it was around, what, 20, 2004, three, something like that, that, oh, cable internet's going to be the thing. And it was, you know, after yep. a while. But uh, he just like, no, 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 we're, we're fine. And he tried to justify, or no. I'm sorry, the phone company would not let us resell the cable internet. Uh, right. I'm sorry, they would let us do it, but it would only make like a dollar or two. It was like pennies, you yep. know, compared to the... Yep. So we were getting pushed out. But what was funny was, speaking of dialing up and 
tying up phone lines is the phone company was still charging per hour when we opened the doors and we were charging 1995 unlimited, you know, call as much as you want. No, yeah, not, uh, and, and it was like a support group for the phone company customers. We had so many people show up. So it was a good start for us, but then they got, they got a little pushy with it and started giving out phone lines, extra phone lines for free installation, that kind of thing. Well, he did some more research. He said, it got me thinking, what was he doing on that day that could have taken that 20 hours? He checked his school schedule. He said, oh, I had exams the day before, so perhaps I was just taking a day off. Uh, He said he played a lot of muds and mushes, you know, uh, online Mm -hmm. adventure games. So it was was an interesting exploration. I didn't read the whole thing, but what he did do, he said, digging further into my archives, I discovered similar events from networks or it's or it's President Gary Fernie dated 99 to 2000, referring to being connected 24 hours without any activity. Wow. Uh, a slightly earlier one from December 3rd, 98, thanked me in an impersonal form letter way for, quote, working to decrease my usage, suggesting that an attempt to cut down on idling callers hogging the phone lines was a common occurrence <laughs> for networks. Apparently, this was an issue for other dial-up ISPs. Uh, there's a, there's a postscript on here that says, it's a bit funny to me that it, he's, uh, today Gene Fernie is the CEO of, uh, of IT company technology slash West in Denver. I thought this story would be, wouldn't be complete unless I made an attempt to contact him. I emailed him asking him some questions about networks at the time, but he wasn't interested in reminiscing quote, <laughs> I'm not revisiting an issue that you may have experienced in 1988, 1998 with networks, Forney wrote. Times are dramatically <laughs> wow. different in 2023 than they were in 98. Not sure why anyone would have an interest in revisiting 28K dial-up days of 98. <laughs> well, in some respects, I agree because I do not, I'm not interested in that. Di- Using dial-up again myself, but... Oh, he said it's a bit funny um, to me that even 25 years later, Fernie is still playing the role of a no-nonsense administrator, and I'm the rebellious kid misusing internet resources. The tone holds up. He's the boss, and I honestly don't mind. Fernie is not the bad guy here. He was trying to run a small business, and I always appreciated him as an ISP. In a poetic way, his 98 email reminds us that there is another path through life that isn't continuously online even if that wasn't his intended message in 98. And considering that many people voluntarily put limits on their screen time today, mostly because of always available social media, he may mm-hmm. have been doing me a favor. <laughs> this guy's got a great way of writing. Sure. <laughs> I like his writing yeah, style. I like that. Now, you know, uh, what's funny, uh, I, I was just thinking of when he was talking about getting on, staying on for 20 hours, How how many computers are talking to the internet when you go to bed every night, uh, you know, they're on really every day. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. You mean today? <laughs> yeah. In your house. Oh, how many computers it, are most of the online? IP addresses. I, I think I've got what somewhere North of 75 different IP addresses in this house. And yeah. the majority of them are talking to something somewhere. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, you know, whether it's my NAS checking for software updates or the work machines Your that phone. are on almost all the time, the 
what fo- oh phone, my, my phone phone yeah phones and tablets yeah. looking for software well, you updates. don't turn them off so they always online right i just think it's i mean of course you're not tying up resources like you are the dial-up modem but it's couple of, a few raspberry pies here and there it's it's heavy duty these days my blackberry <laughs> <laughs> my fax my fax machine but i, I uh, still use the dial-up modem to check my email <laughs> <laughs> Once an hour, uh, dials I, out and downloads all my. No, you know what? I remember all the struggles we had trying to use the internet with dial-up, and uh, looking back on it, it's kind of fun. But at the same time, I do not want to go back there. I don't know about you. Uh no, no. Although I, I was watching a video, it's it's kind of funny. Yesterday, I was watching a video about a guy who uh, took the original Apple One. Based on the 6502, he took the, the ROMs are available. The software for the ROM, the, they called it, um, uh, WASROM or something. It, 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 Wozniak wrote that stuff and he fit all of the like keyboard handlers and display routines and everything into 256 bytes. Like he, amazing. He fit it in 246 bytes. He had a few to spare. And you can get this and he downloaded it and he modified it because he wasn't using, uh, he said, I want to breadboard my own 6502 with the processor and the, an LCD and whatnot. So he, he tweaked it a little bit. So he used the serial, uh, port. There's two pins on there that aren't used for serial IO. And, mm-hmm. uh, he hooked it up and he ran it through his terminal program and got it working. He said, I had to modify it and it actually added just two bytes to the code. To make it all work. Wow. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, I watched this video and I went, that's a lot of work. I'm, I'm curious to do it, but I don't want to go through the pain and suffering of all of the, the, the hardware and the wiring. And then what would I do with it? <laughs> what, right. What do I, does it actually have a purpose? I had that discussion with myself last night. Today, I get a message from one of my coworkers, Jason. He's, he's like the nerd who got me into a lot of this microcontroller stuff. And he said, hey, check out this video. It was the same, not the same exact video, but a person doing the exact same thing on their YouTube channel. I went, oh, that's really bizarre. <laughs> he does yeah. that within 24 hours of me watching that video. I'm like, Jason, are you checking my browser history or something? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I was just, well, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, Steve Wozniak having to make these, uh, not sacrifices, but engineering decisions, trying to make things tighter and smaller. So it fits in between the limits of what he's constrained to. Yep. So you think about all of the innovation, not just, I'm talking about memory, but anything with the computer that had limits and we had to try and work around, even the, with this story with a dial up and limited access to the internet, Yep. but what you could do with the internet and all the things that you would do, to really push yourself because you had these limits. I think it's amazing. And I love hearing those kind of stories about what we, what we did to make things work when nowadays it's all ubiquitous, but then you think, well, now we got unlimited internet. Look at all the, all the things you do because you have unlimited by yesterday's standards, uh, bandwidth. It's amazing. There's still times when you need to think of efficiency though, in terms of either speed how long yeah. something takes to process like, oh, this, you know, this only takes 0.3 milliseconds. 
Well, if you're doing a bazillion transactions, you know, it's it it's mm-hmm. if you can get that down to 0.1 milliseconds, you just sure. cut your processing yeah. time, you know, by a third. So, yeah, what, what and it could be the text? difference between running a loop counting up and running a loop counting down because the processor can do de- decrements just a little bit faster. Like that, <laughs> right. that adds up. So, knowing these basic concepts of how to write tight code is is beneficial even sure. though you may go ah I, you know i got this 18 gigahertz processor <laughs> no <laughs> you know, well and i was buku ram a brazilian bytes of memory yeah no i was saying because of those limitations look what we all the innovation we had and now because we got like i said basically unlimited how all the innovations we have so it's funny how it worked out but those limitations i think or really the mother of inventions into a to a large degree. Now you got Skynet. What? Sky. Generative hey, AI, man. 256K. We got to fit this Skynet code into this right. 6502. <laughs> Can't go past uh. the 64K limit. <laughs> Wait till the next processor. We might be able to do it. Might have to do go into page swapping or something. Yeah. And All this right. Is, disturbing oh the worm i forgot i was still yeah. sharing my screen so yeah there's been a worm that's been revived after forty six thousand years in the siberian permafrost this is pretty Why? cool i don't know that it's i don't know that's disturbing i think there's some scientific uh research that could go on here for example uh, this might be the was probably the wrong word but scary this might like... be the key to unlocking cryonics so they can freeze people and unfreeze them later okay put them in permafrost Bury just, him with a mammoth? Yeah, I've been there. Oh, there's a tusk. I oh, just throw him in. I th- I'm sorry. I thought it was a tauntaun I was putting you in. <laughs> I thought they smelled bad from the outside. Uh-huh. So I did not, you added this later. I did not have a chance to read this through, but it's pretty cool. I, I think there's uh, some real science that can be had out of this. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't read the whole thing either, but... After uh, thawing the worms, the scientists used radiocarbon analysis of the plant material in the sample to establish that the deposits had not been thawed since between 45,839 and 47,769 years ago. That's pretty dang precise, but I figure it's a range based on the decay. Right. Make more worms, though. I, I, it just scares me a little bit because, like, is this really safe to bring this thing back? Sure, it's a roundworm. We have them today. Yeah, yeah. But you don't know what kind of bacteria or whatever this thing was holding on to. That's fine. Uh, maybe I've seen too many movies. Once you suck the juice out of it, it's great. <laughs> you just pull the head off, and right, yeah, tastes like chicken. <laughs> Thin. Rubbery chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, more comedy gold. Rubber chickens right there. Yeah. Okay. On to the next article. Uh, Zenith, known for their <laughs> electronics and consumer stuff, TVs. I think we even had a Zenith or two in my day when I was a young lad. They came out with the first wireless remote control but it did mm-hmm. not use, well, I shouldn't say first. They came out with an early one. Excuse me. <clears throat> they, yeah. they, it, and there's a great article 
on our show notes over at episode one, 719 at the Technorama. I'm going to set the topic as track. <laughs> I know. I, I could hear it on the tape of your topic. Okay. The, the, <laughs> the topic is Technorama. Still works. Right. Okay. Yes. Dot com. And uh, they, they came out with a remote for the TV. And we had one of these. It wasn't this exact model. It was an earlier model. Uh, and I can, I can show you if I do a quick Google search, uh, I'll show the, the one they've got here is a beautiful specimen. This guy found it in his attic, like going yeah, through some it was in, stuff. His, his dad repaired TVs and he had, this was in his dad's collection. And, uh, I think we've talked about these before, but this is a really well done article on how it works. They said, mm -hmm. at first we thought we could use infrared. But that would mean batteries and people would be constantly charging, running out of batteries or thinking that the remote was broken or the TV, worse yet, the TV was broken because... <laughs> which, is, which is what we do nowadays. <laughs> yeah. And then they thought, well, what if we used radio waves? And they said, that's no good because radio waves go through walls. So you'd be changing the channel on your neighbor's TV at the same time. That Nobody wants that unless they said, oh, but you could put in you know, some, some different frequency encryption, whatnot, you know, to, and they said, yeah, that's great. But we had vacuum tubes at the beginning. So your remote and, would and, be the size of a refrigerator. And, uh, you know, Todd over there goes, what, what's encryption? <laughs> so what happened was they, they settled on ultrasonic waves, very mm -hmm. you know, high frequency. And I remember looking in this thing and going, how does this work when I was a kid? All you could see in there were like two rods or four rods. They were like, this, is it emitting something? What right. was going on is this very solid mechanical click on the button. It, you, you'd yeah. feel it going down and then all of a sudden it snaps to release a hammer, which hits these rods. Each of the rods was a different length to emit a different ultrasonic frequency. And then the... The TV was basically listening on a microphone for these frequencies. It goes, oh, you know, you hit a, a D sharp you know, in the upper octave. And uh, it says that means go one channel up or down or whatever, whatever that bar emitted as a tone. I thought this is really creative and yeah. they, they lasted forever. Yeah. Because as long as it would uh, do the pressure and then click. Yeah. Hey, my great grandfather, not great grandfather, um, at my grandparents' house, uh, my great grandmother, she had this TV, this kind of TV in her, her little, uh, like, it's like a mother in law kind of suite. Yeah. Attached to my grandparents' house. And they, they had a Zenith TV, uh, with the same remote because I remember seeing it. But what was funny was when I was, I've told this story, uh, when I was uh, on the show before, when I was a, small kid, uh, I was running around in the house and they put a bell on my shoe and I would run through the room and my grandfather, I think it's my grandfather was trying to figure out why the TV channel was changing is because the bell was yes. off the TV. Because this is ultra, it was, it was hitting those high <laughs> notes that the TV going, was listening to. Yeah. That's what like, they said in this article. On? The keychains the would do going, too. You know, as I was running here's, through the room. Here's more of the caliber one that we had. Oh, maybe. Yeah. It was like that. Yeah. It was, that, it, it was more rounded buttons and they, when you hit them, they sort of dipped down on the, well, what would be the, 
I now the backside, the the side towards you. So the front side would pretty much stay up and the backside would be the part that got depressed. Yeah. So yeah, they, these were fun. And I remember distinctly that, you know, the dial for changing channels, you could go up there and turn it by hand or you could hit the button. But we had, yeah. what was it, 13 channels or 14 channels on the dial, but only got three channels over the air, like three, six, and five or something, or three, oh, six, yeah. and 12, 13, three, six, and yeah. 13. That's what it was. The The local college station was on 13. Yeah. If you around hit the, here, if you hit the button here, up, we you that? hit the button up, okay. it would go to the next channel. So hitting it once... Uh, it would go ka-dunk, 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 ka-dunk. Like, oh, that was, right. you know, fun, child. I was trying to remember. Because oh, I thought yeah. I, I thought we held the button, but that wouldn't work because the hammer would only strike the rod once. So there yes. must have been logic on the TV that said, search for the next clear frequency. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I when you so. think, you know, you think about back then, you, you, you go, oh, they how would they even know? But I guess they had a had a way to make it happen. I think this is a cool remote. I always thought that was a it was a simple idea yep. that was effective. You know, which and I it's was big enough that it doesn't fall between the seat cushions in the couch. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of lodges itself there. So you, yeah. Let's see. We have channel lower, volume on off, sound mute. What's the difference between volume on off and sound mute and channel higher? Volume? Well, we keep going up until it goes back down and cycles through. Wow. Sound mute is one button and volume on off is another button. Maybe it's just mute. Maybe it's just mute. Like volume, uh, mute. Because there's a lower mute and then higher under the words channel, uh, volume. and So maybe it was just a mute. You hit it once. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, 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 The nice bright color picture on this one has a different representation. Same four buttons. Now check this out. I was looking at the one that I was using. So the one that we used, let me bring that back on the screen. The one that we yep. used looked like, where is it? That's NASA. That's it from, from Bennu. Where is it? Yeah. Did I close it already? I did. I closed it. The no. one with the, here, here, uh, this is what it says. Oh. Channel lower on the left. Yep. Channel higher on the right. Sound mute is second from the right. And yeah. volume on off. Now, what? Exactly. That's what I was going. But this <laughs> one, makes sense. <clears throat> this one says channel lower, channel right. So that's yeah. your left and right buttons. The middle two are volume mute and then on off. So I think this one's just labeled poorly or something. Like, yeah, it's volume while it's on, but it's an on off button. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. One of them turns the TV on and off. Because yeah. I remember we didn't have to like get out of the say, bed. You, you you hit the on off button late at night yeah. and you watch the picture disappear into that bright dot in the center. Yeah. That's right. All right. Let's continue on somewhere. I yeah. Have. Let's move along. Let's We're starting move. to run a little long here. Are we? Yeah. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting. It's, well, let's get on with our, our patrons then. All right. Thank you very much to everybody who supports the show. You keep this going. It's your fault. Thank you, Alexis Duran, Amber Elstad, Amy Bowen, Abner Braverman. Thank you, Ben Vaughn, Brian Brown, Chris Martinez. And thank you, doubly Chris Martinez. He just upped his membership 
from $2 to $5. So someone's getting a t-shirt as soon as we make the design. Yeah. Thanks, Chris MC, Dandy Man Coyer, Dean Jensen, Denise Inglis, Gary Lindros, John Clifford, John Noble, Yorgos Rawin, Crazy Joe Adventures. Thank you, Kyle Nishioka and Leon and Mark Kilfoyle. Brad Miller, Mike Wills, Saturday Morning Media, Stephen Weshey, Steve Cody, Steve Therian, Steve Webb, Steve London, and Tim Cork. I kind of like where that ended on that music. So let's kill it there. <laughs> That's right. And Steve Cork. <clears throat> so if you want to be part of our Patreon club, you can go over to patreon.com slash Podcast for as little as a dollar a show. Or if you want to up it to two or five, you get more stuff. We just ordered more postcards. Our thank you postcards are on their way. We will be signing those together in dra- the workflow when has started at Dragon Con and mailing them out to all of you. So make sure your postal address is up to date on Patreon somewhere in the comments or email yeah. it to us if it's changed since the last year. <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, quickly, let's go through what we've been watching aside from Star Trek. And Futurama, you know, there's the, there's the routine stuff, but these are the special things we've been watching. So why don't you start yeah. out? All right. So first off, uh, I watched, <clears throat> excuse me, Transformers Rise of the Beast. It was on Paramount Plus. Uh, I like the Transformers series. All right. You know, I'm not going to say it's a epic, you know. Documentary. Series, but yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but it's, it's fun to watch. Now, the movie I, I talked about not too long ago, Bumblebee is a precursor to this one. And it really has nothing to do with the previous Transformer movies other than Bumblebee. Right. So Bumblebee, then Transformers Rise of the Beast. And it was, it was good. Uh, good enough to enjoy if you like seeing robots, you know, transforming. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't say much about it. They were trying to save the world again. I, I kind of lost interest after the first one. I thought it was novel. Uh, the one problem I had with the first one, well, one of the problems I had with the first one is when you look at the toys, right? And, and you, you start out with a car and you unfold it. It took some engineering to figure out what part has to end up where to be a robot. Yeah. With the yeah. movies, they just kind of flash some CG panels around and suddenly it's built up. And yeah. never mind about the mass of anything, you know, how this <laughs> car size thing can go into right. becoming this 15 foot robot. It, yeah. it, it was like the physics and the mechanics were all wrong. And I just went, you're not even well, trying, uh, animators. You're not even trying. I wasn't looking for it to be scientifically accurate. Uh, <laughs> but um, I I enjoyed the the Bumblebee one and the, and the new one. And they're set in the 90s. So there's a lot of 90s kind of nostalgia in there a little bit with, you know, the types of cars they are, uh, that kind of stuff. So. Like I said, I, I enjoyed it enough. I'm oh not saying it's Lord. great. We're getting maybe. old. If the if the '90s are now nostalgia, we're getting old. Hey, there's a there's a station in Charlotte, and you, before you would hear mostly '70s and classic rock kind of stuff like that. Well, the last few days, I've I've heard it in the car. I'm like, they're playing '80s music. <laughs> That's, <laughs> it's here. Here it comes. '80s is now classic music. Oh it, yeah. Here's here's some uh, classic Nirvana for you. Like oh yeah. Yikes. <clears throat> Yeah. And Britney anyway, Spears. Well, Transformers, Rise of the Beast, it's good enough. Uh, like I said, I'm not saying it's great, 
slightly recommend it. There you go. Slightly recommend it. Come on. Out of out of zero to ten, what do you give it? Just throw oh, it I'll give it about a six. You know, five okay. or six like that. All right. My first one is uh, I watched some Netflix this week. So the first one is Missing the Lucy Blackman case on Netflix. True crime story movie about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes long. Not not too terribly long. Goes through the case of a uh, young woman from England who went over to Japan uh, to Japan to mm-hmm. study and went missing. So her father and her sister come over to start this campaign. They had a bit of a conflict with the local police, different cultures, different ways of approaching a problem. And uh, I'm just going to say it wasn't a happy ending. So spoiler alert there. But it was an interesting case just to from the standpoint of who did what and when and how that came to be and and what they found. I, I honestly thought that the the prime suspect that they were following was going to turn out to be a dead end. But um did not and they un they it it was it was interesting because most people think oh japan low crime you know friendly area everybody's so nice if you lose your wallet on a subway it'll just return to you <laughs> like oh yeah right. uh and then they find out they've got this serial killer who's gone under the radar for years before this case come up and I'm like yikes uh you know really scary stuff so the lucy blackman case what's next okay. I watched They Clone Tyrone, which uh, was actually pretty good uh, on um, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It was, um, oh, I just had the description up here. It says, uh, a, a, an eerie series of events leads an unlikely trio, John Boyega, uh, uh, Tianoa uh, Paris, and Jamie Foxx. They, they play uh, a couple different characters. Um, Jamie Foxx like a pimp. Kind of guy, and they go down a rabbit hole when they start to discover a conspiracy theory is starting to prove true in the neighborhood, and it was really good. Everybody was kind of a little bit over the top, um, okay. you know, because it's kind of a pulpy uh, kind of uh, movie in a, in a sense. And I, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it uh, the way they played it out. And I'm not going to give away too much because it is a brand new film, so go see it. But it had uh, a lot of a lot of good conspiracy stuff to with it. So my second one is bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. We've talked about Hedy Lamar on this show a couple of times. It's She's Headley. That's not... Headley. <laughs> Headley. <laughs> Mom, it's Hedy Lamar. I just uh, watched blazing saddles. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> and they made a, they made a reference to that in, in the, in the oh, show. Did they? It's, it's a tragic story. We've talked about Hedy Lamar a couple of times on this show. Because she invented frequency hopping, which is used in Wi-Fi and mobile phones yeah. and a lot of technologies that we use today. Uh, sure. She came up with this in the 40s during World War II as a way to encrypt, if you will, the transmissions between the uh, 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 a ship uh, or a sub firing a torpedo. And she came up with it with, with her partner and they submitted it to the armed forces and they kind of went... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Uh, why don't you do something <laughs> useful like go sell war bonds, which mm-hmm. she raised some absurd amount of money for war bonds. She was right. not a U.S. citizen at the time. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. And and it goes into her early movie career and how that influenced some, her current movie career. Uh, but she was always a very 
headstrong woman. She knew what she wanted and she wasn't afraid to go get it. Uh, she did not let anybody push her around the, uh, but she never got the, she got the patent. Here's the thing. She got the patent for this before she went to the government. They filed it away. And then years later, she starts seeing technology showing up based on her things. And it said, uh, yeah. And somebody can testify that says, uh, yeah, they were building things before your patent expired, which was like six years after it was originally filed, unless somebody renews it. She said, I would have renewed it if I knew where the heck it went. Uh, but they locked it away and she really kind of got screwed over. It's a tragic story about her career, her technology. And, uh, wow. yeah, she, she basically I always thought of her as just an actress. I didn't know. Oh, we, we've talked about the frequency hopping thing before the torpedoes. I mean, yeah, but I, her, I mean, I didn't, re- I didn't put two and two together. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, even her movie career was kind of up and down. She even started her own studio for a while. Uh, <laughs> her movie career was hopping as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Hey, she had yeah. like five husbands and, and a couple mm. of kids. Uh, so she finally passed away. What was it? Uh, just a few days after, yeah, the millennial new year. Yeah, I, I just happened to saw that uh, she died in uh, January two thousand. Yep. So wow. interesting story, it, it, both from an entertainment and a scientific perspective. I might have to go watch that because again, I'm sorry, I I just didn't put two together. Hadley yep. Moore with Wi-Fi. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And satellite communications. I mean, a lot of the technologies that we depend on today are based on this, and she gets like no credit. I think she was on a Google Doodle. <laughs> no oh maybe so okay all right well the next thing i had uh this was an investment of a watch it was oppenheimer it's a three-hour movie we went with harrison my son to go see it i would go see and, that way before the barbie movie i haven't seen either but if i had to flip okay. a coin oppenheimer yeah no yeah no, no chance no 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 decision required on my part well uh I was starting to say, I won't give spoilers, but I think you kind of know how it turns out, but I, <laughs> it's the bomb. I will, hey, I will. Yeah. I will say this. This was a masterclass in how to make a film. The special effects were, were great. Mm-hmm. And they were all, I think if, I think almost everything was practical. Um, the sound design was also amazing. There were times when he was having some anxiety. Because once he realized what he had built, I mean, uh, after they built it, he was focused on building it. Afterwards, it started really hitting him what he had, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the magnitude of what he had done. And there was a room where they were having a, a Hiroshima uh, celebration party because it was, you know, they actually used it to end the war. And you hear, you see people stomping and they're cheering but you don't hear the cheering part. You just hear the stomping. And then the f- wall behind him and him is vibrating. Things like that. It really puts you in the moment. It was fantastic. That's what I heard. Uh, this better win some awards. Oh, yeah. And there's a black and white. I'm sorry. There's a black and white. Yes. And uh, it's it's black and white. when it, it, Yeah. There's black and white when you're from one perspective. I forgot what his name is. Sh- Stuart uh, Strauss. Strauss. That's what it is. Louis Strauss. And then it's color when you're looking at Oppenheimer's perspective. Yes. And it took me a little bit. I I did not read that before, but I knew there was black and white 
and color. Uh, but yes, once I saw that, I went, oh yes, I got it. So yeah, everybody was great. Robert Downey Jr., uh, Killian Murphy, totally go see it. Um, it made me think about some of the big ideas. When I say big ideas, the larger thought process that goes into what have we actually done and what impact this has on the world. Uh, you know, just made me think I had to go do some history research because uh, I didn't understand a hundred percent of everything, but it was fantastic. I highly recommend it. Uh, the three hours actually went by a lot quicker. And part of that is because the way the movie's made, mm -hmm. you feel like you're in that moment really the whole time. And yeah, it doesn't feel like a, and it didn't feel like you're watching a journey, much less you're just with it. You know, does that make sense? Uh, it's really good. Really good. Jonathan Strickland had an episode of Tech Stuff recently about the two bombs, Fat Man and Little Boy. The construction, yeah. how they had to have different uh, detonation mechanisms because of the, the plutonium and the isotopes. It, it was really fascinating. He explained it pretty good. The other thing was, uh, I think it was a news show that I was watching that was talking about Oppenheimer. They had actual physicists in on the set and, and advising them, of course. Uh, and at one point, this guy said, so I'm a, a physicist is on the set and he's talking with Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. is no dummy. He was no, like, keeping up right. and throwing. Well, you know, he said, what do you think about this? And and what if we could do that? And it's like, these are pretty deep subjects. You don't expect an actor to be that knowledgeable about nuclear physics. So I, I was yeah. impressed. Well, uh, on that same vein, um, uh, Christopher Nolan, mm -hmm. I read that they had, phys like you said, they have physicists on, on staff so they could throw questions at if they needed to. Yeah. But he actually... Christopher Nolan taught himself physics while writing the movie. So when they had the guys on there, the guys like, we didn't have to do much because he had, he had a good understanding of just about all of it. Wow. So That's I pretty thought cool. that was amazing in itself. Yeah. It's hard to be top of your field in something and also be really smart in something else. <laughs> and then, and then, well, let's throw this one in the mix. Just, yeah. like, <laughs> just look at us. We're struggling for one. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's, it was, uh, it was well worth the invest, the three hour investment for sure. The third one I've got is also from Netflix. And I've mentioned this series before unknown. Oh, this one's yes, called cosmic this. time machine. It's a story of the James Webb space telescope. Good stuff. I, mean, I meant to say, I saw this floating around. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, so Go watch it. It's, it's, that. it's really good. It explains a lot. Uh, gives you good history. These people have been working on it their entire careers in some cases, you know, for 30 years mm -hmm. and uh well, i won't ruin it but uh spoiler alert it worked they <laughs> they said this was we the pictures back with well they they gauge nasa missions in how many single points of failure there are and they said what was it the apollo mission had something like 60 points of single points of failure um the mars perseverance i think had 200 this thing had something like 360 single points of failure that's that's like if if one bolt comes unscrewed, the whole mission. If if the solar oh, yeah. solar shield yeah. doesn't deploy right, your your mission is a failure. And it's uh, it's still floating around there with like ten of them because they're just operational single points of failure. But 
it, that was mind boggling. They said, if, if anybody believes that luck doesn't have some part to play in these missions, they're lying to themselves. So right. cosmic oh, yeah. time machine, go find that on Netflix as well. All right. Okay. Let, real quick through the we'll media be. corner, then we'll get out of here. Yeah. Uh, NASA is launching its own streaming service, and I made a prediction and said, I'm going to, I'm betting they're going to call it NASA Plus. And they are, and it's going to be free. <laughs> well, yeah, our tax money's paying for all this. Which so. is good. Oh, well, it'd be nice to turn our government into a revenue stream other than taxes, but you know, think about it. Would it? So if Would you want to keep up with Artemis or whatever, the, uh, the apps are available on a number of platforms, Roku and iOS and Android. I don't know if they're available on my Samsung TV, but I want to sell that thing anyway. Uh, <laughs> you want to sell it? Yeah. It's Come five on. years old and you turn it on and you wait about 30 seconds and it's right about the time your show starts. It's like menu, <laughs> click, 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 <laughs> Netflix, click, 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 find my saying, app, play. And it goes, it's, dun, trying dun, to, it's trying it's trying to act like your old Zenith TV has it, a warm up for me. It does. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel because it reboots like three times. You have to turn it on five minutes before you're ready to watch TV. It's really wow. irritating. And it only started doing that a couple of years ago, thinking, you know, as long, once it's on, it's fine. So maybe yeah. somebody who runs a bar would be happy with this. I don't know. Uh, but it's only worth a few hundred bucks now. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe if we can't sell it on Facebook Marketplace, we'll just donate it to a church or something. Yeah. Or do like the last TV and have the installers haul that away too. Burn it in the yard. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> So NASA, NASA plus looking forward to it. Finally, an old article for you. This probably could have gone in a media corner or remember when it's a YouTube video from 1965 from the channel is the MIT science reporter. Uh, no, the channel is called, uh, from, from the vault of MIT. That's it. Thank you. It's called Mm -hmm. computer for Apollo. They go through what it took to build the computer that ran the Apollo space mission. And my God, this is scary. They're using core memory, which are these little round iron donuts. And he says, this module is 512 bytes of memory uh, because it's got 512 donuts in it. And the donuts are wired in by hand. They're literally sewn into this matrix well, and, we saw that at the Computer History Museum. Look uh, we we saw like, like, a, like a, a lattice. It looked like a, a weaver's yeah. grid. No, these are these are like little um, rectangular yeah. well, cartridges. We, well, we see look, what we saw looked like a a window screen or something, but had like little magnets all in the thing. Right. No, this, this is take that and fold it up like sixteen times. That's about yeah. what you got to do. They also had, uh, you know, when you're watching movies and you always see the astronauts punching in on this keypad, and you're like, what are they punching in? They explain <laughs> that. There's there's like no operating system in this thing. They're punching in different op codes, and it, it's, they call them nouns and verbs. And they said, <laughs> now, here, if I punch in the noun 53 and the verb 58, we can see this thing counting down. Like, what's it counting down to? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, just crazy, crazy technology. Uh, and, and they didn't have printed circuit boards back then. So a lot of the stuff was hand, not soldered, hand welded. Yeah. All made up of these little gates. There's no integrated circuits on this thing. It's frightening that this thing even worked. And the amount of labor that went into each one of these pieces was no pun intended. It was astronomical. 
<laughs> well, but at the very end, watch. they referenced they referenced a letter from their ISP about why they were online for twenty hours with no activity. Yeah, because that happened in nineteen sixty five. There was a related video. I didn't go into more on this channel, but there was a related video from 1955 called oh. Transistor. It was just a little nine minute thing from AT&T Bell Labs about you know, the, 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 the virtues of the oh, transistor over the vacuum tube. Uh, very yeah. fun watch. This one, this one was kind of fun. Uh, and they even made some predictions, which are 100% absolutely true. Like where the application of the transistor might benefit us. Cool stuff. So that one got me excited too. I'm actually subscribing to this YouTube channel because uh the MIT one? This, yeah, because I some of this stuff is really cool. I mean, it'd be a nice break to to watch and kind yeah. of see. Uh, Have they put anything out recently? Because that one was a few years old that I stumbled across. Yeah, there's again making electrons count. That's the that, the latest video. One, one beautiful electron. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Right. I call that hydrogen. Ah, ah, ah. Two, two electrons. Helium. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, question of the week for you this week before we take off is, what is your favorite online company slash service? Don't tell us the one you hate the most. Tell us the one you love the most. Yeah. We want to hear So I'm just thinking like, you know, uh, actually the question came up in my mind when I was, I'm using Google Maps. You know, how useful has that been? Um, I've used it some for walking directions and stuff, but mostly in the car, just getting, uh, if everything from like, I know, I know how to get to my mountain house, but a lot of times I'll put the direction. I'll uh, I'll navigate to it because it tells me when I'm getting there, what's the speed limit as I'm driving and traffic, you know, and I'll turn off the, um, the voice prompts for, um, the directions. Cause I know that part, but you know, it's all that stuff. And I think, um, Google Maps is awesome service. And so it's one of my favorites. My favorite is service now pays my check. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. You can't can't argue with that. (laughs) Nope, cannot. All righty. That takes us to the end of the show. Thank you very much, everybody, for hanging out with us and listening and viewing and whatever it was that you were doing while we were laughing at us, yakking away. We really appreciate it. Remember, consider the Patreon thing, patreon.com slash Technorama podcast. If you want to reach us, you can do that. You got comments, you got videos you want us to watch. Let us know. 707-530-2428. I know if you'd call the listener line and try to read a URL to us, it's going to be tough. So you might want to do email technorama at chuckchat.com. That might be an easier way. You want to tell us about the weather in your area? Phone call. If you want to mail us a URL, mail you get the idea. Just go to Technorama, excuse me, chuckchat.com slash Technorama. You can find the ways to contact us, or it'll be in the show notes for this. You know where you're going. Thank you again to all our patrons, and we wish you all the best. Till next time, Craig, give me a binary high five. All right. One, zero, one. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. Sounds like BS to me.